0: I got something for you. What? A very nice sponge for your bath. Oh, you shouldn't have. We have hey, to come up with better
1: intros sometimes.
0: Listen, <laughs> I was gonna go with "Turn Around, Chrissy."
1: Every now and then, I fall apart. <laughs> hey
0: stagey friends can you guess which musical we're talking about today based on that little intro if you guess spongebob the musical well you're <laughs> totally wrong we're actually going to sink our teeth into dance of the vampires which honors our love
1: of jim steinman and broadway Flop. and really is there anything more terrifying than a very expensive flop i think not In this episode, we'll focus a bit on Tanster Vampire. But since our German isn't too great, as you can guess from the way I pronounce that, we'll keep it mainly about the 2002 Broadway version. Here's the plot. Dance of the Vampires is a gothic musical comedy
0: set in a Transylvanian graveyard. It's three nights before Halloween. Sarah, the beautiful teenage daughter of the local innkeeper, is out picking mushrooms when a pack of very cool young vampires appears out of the mist. Suddenly a coffin rises from the ground containing the mesmerizing Count Von Krolock. The Count sings to Sarah and promises to return for her at the total eclipse of the moon. Which is when Sarah, in exchange for a little bite, can become queen of the vampires. Soon arrives Professor Ambrosnius, a rather intensely wacky vampire killer with his handsome assistant Alfred. Alfred is instantly smitten by Sarah and vice versa. Torn between Alfred and the Count, Sarah runs off to Crowlock's tassel, pursued by Alfred and the Professor. At last, Sarah has to choose between earthly love with Alfred or eternal passion with Crowlock in the Vampire State Building.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Dance of the Vampires is a musical remake of the 1967 Roman Polanski film of the same name. Polanski also directed the original German production of the musical. Music was composed by Jim Steinman and orchestrated by Steve Margatius. Tanz der Vampire originally began on October 4, 1997 at the Raymond Theatre in Vienna, Austria. The production starred the incredible Steve Barton, who received the 1998 Image Award for Best Actor for his performance as Count von Krolok. The show would then go on to play all over Germany in the early 2000s, gaining popularity and adoration among fans. From the Austria premiere of Tanz Vampire, English producers were already seeking to bring the show to English-speaking countries. After considering a West End run under the influence of Steinman and his manager, David Sonnenberg, it was decided to bring the musical, now titled Dance of the Vampires, to New York City for the 1998 Broadway season, with Steinman translating and reworking the German book and lyrics into English. Polanski, of course, was unable to return to the United States as director due to his unwillingness to face punishment for his earlier actions, which we won't get into on this podcast as it is a very triggering topic. But you can Google his name and news reports should come up. Mm -hmm.
0: Basically, this all led to the first post-moment of the show's original opening to Halloween 2000 as they worked to seek a new director. A fall 2001 opening was soon announced, with Jim Steinman himself announcing that he would serve as the show's director, although he had never directed for the stage previously. Things began to become more concrete in early 2001. John Caird was to co-direct alongside Steinman, and the comic playwright David Ives was helping reconfigure the book with a view toward a more comic angle instead of a straightforward adaptation of the successful Austrian version, which at the time was deemed to be written in a style no longer accepted by Broadway critics and audiences. We were told to put five jokes on every page, Steinman later said.
1: This new American version was met with mixed opinions. Potential investors and producers seemed to adore the score, but felt the new book needed some fine-tuning. Unfortunately, Steinman's creative disagreements with his producing team, even telling the press, I can't tell you how many things are the opposite of what I want, but I am a part of a team, and the inability to raise the investment money in time for a fall opening led to tense situations behind the scenes. Because things were growing tense and trying, the show needed a way to attract investors. Hey Joss, what's the best way to attract a Broadway investor? In this
0: case, it would be a stunt cast. So it was decided that the role of Count von Krolock would be just the thing. So the team came to an agreement with Michael Crawford, who is best known as the Phantom of the Opera. However, Crawford wanted some assurances before he could take on a planned three years in the role. He demanded complete creative control of his character, a retirement package of up to 20 million pounds a year, and he also preferred to have first refusal on the option to reprise the role in London and Los Angeles if productions were to open.
1: By the time an official deal with Crawford was announced, the three-year contract in the role went down to only just one year. Michael Crawford was involved in reshaping the role in a more comedic fashion, insisting that the role, as written, was too close to the Phantom, which I think any dark role played by Michael Crawford would be referred and referenced to Phantom. But anyways, after rehearsals were to begin in January, the opening was set for April 2002, following six weeks of previews starting in March.
0: Unfortunately, these plans would be postponed as a reflection of the September 11 attacks. Most of the show's creative team, based in London, had a ton of delays caused by mass cancellation of flights. Realizing there was no way to open before the Tony cut-off as planned, Sonnenberg announced the postponement of the show's opening to October 24th. During this time, Steinman and Caird were replaced as directors by John Rando of Urintown fame, who was quickly joined by choreographer John Carafa, his co-helmer on Urintown.
1: A cast was also shaped up around Crawford, including Mandy Gonzalez and Max von Essen, in the young lead roles of Sarah and Alfred. Drama continued all the way to the first preview, with cast members leaving the production and Steinman being fired from his own production by his manager, who was acting as the show's producer at the time. The show began previews despite technological and creative delays at the Minskoff Theatre on October 18th, 2002. The final result of the show was an altered version with a lot of campy humor that differed considerably from the original show. The show initially went well in sales based on Crawford's name. While
0: still in previews, the show changed huge amounts of its material nightly, which caused some trouble within the cast. Michael Crawford was regularly changing his dialogue and inserting his own jokes, testing the strength of the material to the point that his co-star became paranoid about all his jokes being cut, and the two of them began trying to step on each other's punchlines. Another unfortunate change was with Steinman out of the picture, there was no one around to write new lyrical material as is necessary in some cases, and so the English version borrowed a lot of new material from Steinman's lyrics for the previous English versions
1: of songs which were recycled into the show. After a crazy process, Dance of the Vampires opened on Broadway on December 9th, 2002. This version of the show was critically shamed. When the reviews came out, Jim Steinman made a show of his disapproval of the project by not attending opening night and publicly distancing himself from the show, stating, The show that I wrote is not at the Minskoff. The show that is dear to me is still running in Vienna. The one at the Minskoff was just a job. In later days on his blog, he would still deny any responsibility for the production. He stated in other blog entries that his music was wasted on the show and was careful to make a clear distinction between the Broadway version and the (laughs) European version.
0: Attaboy, Jim. (laughs) same. On January 25th, 2003, after 56 performances, Dance of the Vampires closed. According to the New York Times, it was one of the costliest failures in
1: Broadway history. That was a mouthful. That was a lot. (laughs) I don't, yeah. How about, yeah, I don't even know what to say. That was a lot. But how about we get to some real quick fun facts and then we can, we can talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. (laughs) Let it, let it sink in, you know? Yeah all right fun facts the stage blood used for the production was a mix of corn syrup starch and food coloring and they could also customize the flavoring between chocolate or vanilla <laughs> i would have so chosen gross. vanilla <laughs> me yeah
0: it's really <gasps> why really... are why are they why are they flavoring i don't know it? but
1: it made me really like consider my options if i was in they it. actually
0: like eat it well it's
1: in their mouth
0: yeah but like this is this is news to me i did not know this this yeah yeah um yeah i don't know what to say if any of you have any thoughts on flavored stage blood drop them in the comments on our instagram because i, I want to know
1: mouth capsules for this production uh and i know some was not capsules so i, I don't know what <laughs> i do not know but uh no that is so unsanitary what do you mean
0: no because like if you're pretending to suck someone's blood and the capsules in yeah. your mouth and then and it's break it, them. and the blood gets yep. all over them and mm-hmm. over you
1: that's yeah disgusting. it's pretty much mostly a mix of like saliva in there too so add saliva to that mix shit that's gross yeah. yeah i mean there's that one Ew. scene um, when michael crawford bites mandy gonzalez's neck and you watch the blood trickle down the front of her dress. Yeah. Uh no, thank you. No thanks. Mandy <laughs> Gonzalez is
0: an angel. Icon, poor dear. Um <laughs> moving on to a less exciting fun fact, I guess, is that John Travolta and Richard Gere were also considered for Count von Crawlock.
1: What else were the two considered for?
0: Greece. Ee. <laughs> I love Richard Gere, but like I couldn't picture either. I can't picture either of them in the role, but I do love Richard Gere. He's a silver fox.
1: Yeah, very attractive. The final scene set in Times Square has vampire-esque pop culture references uh including got blood and bats the musical <laughs> do you remember the this is like totally our generation um do you remember the got milk ads yeah of course okay so that's yeah that's what it references for anyone yeah, who did you, know
0: if you don't know what a got milk um ad is because you're young
1: um you can google it they're funny i had those all over my wall as a kid like everyone Everyone was on Got Milk ads back then.
0: Yeah, right. There was—I recently saw one, and it was um, Angel from Buffy the Vampire Slayer in a Got Milk ad. Oh, that's I forget funny. what the tagline was, but it was—it was quite funny. So <laughs> vampires and Got Milk. Very strong oh, bond. That's great. Um. So let's kind of get into, like, our experiences with the show. You know, sure. obviously this is a show that we didn't see in person. No. Um, but there are some recordings. Personally, I have to agree with Jim Steinman. I am a fan of Tanstar Vampire. I much prefer the German language version. I'm the it's opposite. like, ten times better.
1: Like, And it is. I'm, I don't disagree I like, with you.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, but did I have a fun time watching Dance of the Vampires? Yes, I did. Because I love like things that are campy and don't take itself seriously and all that sort of stuff, but like right. there's kind of like a fine line between camp and like bad. And you yeah. know, Dance with the Vampire is kind of really like it plays hops jump rope with that line.
1: It does. Um, it does, but I think for reasons it does. And I think that reason was the lead of the show. Mwah, mwah. <laughs> and that's not to say that Michael Crawford isn't incredibly talented. He is. But um yeah, it was a bad casting choice. And I also and I know. Uh, the count is meant to be older but when you think of it i think he was like 60 and mandy was like 24 oh. and her character is meant to be 18 right so that's like really really weird yeah when
0: it comes to for me at least. vampire
1: age differences you want
0: like i don't you like want somebody it. who was made a vampire when they were like closer to the age of that the human is um even Twilight. though they're like 200 <laughs> or something but you know you we gotta yeah. um you know, just crusty, musty
1: old men and young girls is so. And that <laughs> job on on Michael was um. Yeah, I don't think I would have been falling in love with.
0: But the, uh, it kind of works because no. in vampire lore, you know, vampires can use mind control and shit, right? So it doesn't. Maybe vampires actually aren't beautiful. Maybe we're just like tricked into it because they have mind control abilities i've obviously given this too much thought but yeah michael crawford looks scary as f
1: um and and that's without seeing that's uh if you haven't seen the tans makeup that's on a it's uh it's actually vampire-esque and michael crawford is just um almost grinchy like it's weird um yeah i don't know how to explain i don't either but apparently he's also very picky with things um I'm not trying to throw down Michael Crawford. I just researched really, this a lot Really, this entire episode before. is Chrissy
0: throwing down with Michael Crawford.
1: Um, I am not. Uh, well, a little bit. Uh, that being said, apparently, like, things with his makeup look would, like, really throw him off. This is apparently, I read it on, like, an article from 2002, where, like, if his eyebrow um, was painted on slightly higher... Than what it normally is, it would like throw off his show. Well, you know when completely when my eyebrows
0: don't match, I'm definitely really thrown off.
1: But like, would you really notice your fake eyebrow drawn a smidge higher enough that it throws off your show? You you can't see yourself, right? Oh, that's fair. Like you couldn't. But like, feel I wouldn't it. actually get on stage if my eyebrows were off.
0: It's <laughs> I'm too confused. Well, right? I just mean like. I do my eyebrows every day, so I can relate. You want to have nice eyebrows. No, I get like, it. But, like, nobody's looking possibly nice with those fake eyebrows. So, really, he should just give no. up.
1: Yeah, no, it was <laughs> yeah, it was weird. And apparently something, um, I don't know. It was just, I think the fact that he wanted to make it so comedic to take away from it being similar to his role as the phantom was like so problematic but cause... like the point is they hired
0: him a because he was famous from phantom and b because that's like exactly. what they wanted
1: in the part i don't also,
0: know Michael i've Crawford. never
1: heard and i don't know i'm not really into i think you're more into the side of like um investments and such and and castings and stuff but I have never in my life heard of like a retirement fund. No, like for like a, like I've never, not at 20 million. Definitely
0: not at 20 million. Um. And the thing is, at least in Canada, I'm not sure how they do it anywhere else, but when you are a performing artist, you don't have a pension Mm -hmm. plan through your job. Like you can make a separate Canada, like you have your. You have your RRSP and stuff that you can contribute to based on your work and you can do your own savings. But when you're in a job with a show, because you are a freelancer, you don't have a CPP, Canada Pension Plan. So and that was yearly, right? Yeah. So you can invest yearly. It depends on your bank. It depends on what you do. But yeah, essentially, if you're in Canada and you have that based on what you work, you can invest X amount yearly. But that's because when you're working for like something and your paycheck takes taxes off, then that's the st- it's kind of it's confusing. But a portion of your paycheck is actually redirected into taxes. It's redirected into re- pension and stuff. So then at the end of the year, they're like, hey, you can put this much into this plan. And like the interest that you make on it is free.
1: But Broadway wise, like that doesn't happen normally, right? No, no. And I, in musical theater, you're
0: considered a freelance artist. Right. So anything, so say that my paycheck that you give me is Mm -hmm. $100. So if I'm working at my job right now, part of that $100 that I've earned is taken off for taxes and this, that, and the other thing. So that part, taxes and pension and stuff. So I'm really not getting the full $100. That comes later because that is all set up that way. But Mm -hmm. as a freelancer, if I go and I direct a musical or I star in a show and I get that $100, obviously your agent gets a cut. But like I'm getting that $100. The government isn't taking that from me through my paycheck. So what you can... And it's not going into a pension set up by work or anything like that. It's not like teachers have retirement plans. Mm -hmm. So that money goes to you. So you kind of have to do it yourself. (laughs) Um, I don't know how it operates on Broadway. I don't know how it operates in the States. And that is a very like roundabout way of how it happens here. I'm still not entirely clear on it. But essentially, the short answer of it is that where we are, from my knowledge, freelancers don't have pension plans. I don't know if it's different if you're unionized or what that looks like um, in different parts of the world. I'm going to go Google it after this. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you don't have a pension plan and then, you know, you have to pay the taxes that didn't get taken off your paycheck later.
1: Also, um, he was, he requested 20 million, right? And I think the production itself was worth 12 million.
0: Yeah, so that's that, like a I, lot of money for really just a big, name. Right? That's a, like I don't think I mean I don't know. Well, yeah, 20 20 million dollar retirement plan. That's astronomical. Who has 20 million dollars? Like if you have 20 million dollars, you don't need to retire. You don't like you know, you're already retired like
1: or maybe you do. I don't know, but that's like it's just kind of if a fuck really ton of money. Think about it. So they were it would have been 20 million, right? And then um keeping him on for 3 years, which went down to 1 yeah. year. Um <laughs> and then giving him like the creative ability to really like fuck with the role and do whatever he wants pretty much with input in like everything and costumes and that's a lot just for one person's name. You know, I build On the marquee, I don't know. You know, that sounds so disrespectful, and he is so talented. But like,
0: I do understand from the point of view that like, when you're bringing a show over from the UK, sometimes shows that do not the UK, sorry, sometimes that shows that do really well in Europe don't necessarily translate to American audiences, which is which is a fair point. So I get it. You bring someone who people know in, maybe you change it a little bit. But part of me also wonders if they just took Tanster Vampire and just took it from, Eng- from German to English and presented it, how it would do. Because, you know, there are several um, there are mo- versions of Tanster Vampire in multiple languages in Europe that are the same as the original production. And they're very successful. When I was in Paris in 2015, and in the Metro, there were advertisements for Baldevant. des balde vampire so dance of the vampires but in french (laughs) so it's you know it's very popular over there it still is like there's so much good stuff that's why i'm kind of like i'm curious i wonder would it have done okay on broadway if they had kept it the same
1: or would like maybe
0: i don't think it would have like been a huge success but like i don't think it would have been as bad as it was had they maybe stuck Mm. a little bit closer to what it was. I think that's what I love about it. I love uh, the German production. It is so beautiful. And there's another German show that I love. It's Elizabeth. Mm. And I love that sort of era of theater that came out of Germany and Austria and that part of the world. Um, But yeah, to the average English Broadway-going audiences, it doesn't always transfer well so yeah i guess you have to take that into consideration but i think these guys just want to look, they went off the off the deep end with it and that's such a bummer especially when you have someone like steinman who was working on the project say yeah i don't want yeah. to being eventually being fired but like having to take something that was so near and dear to them creatively
1: and just kind of like going Pfft. like if you watch Uh, dance of the vampires on youtube um (laughs) and i'm talking like the english version the broadway version you'll see just how badly these songs were translated and i don't mean the ones that are like not as known i mean things like totally clips of the heart which they rewrote um like lyrically with the melody some of it really doesn't match at all and i think that's why people laugh so much during that bootleg is because like it makes no sense right yeah i just so familiar to them and they're listening and they're like this isn't it this is not the song i know and then it's funny because they took a song that was already a, a reference to vampires and then tried to rewrite it even more about vamp I don't know it's just very bad it did not work it would kind Um. of be like if you took
0: um it's all coming back to me now and you know the music video it's Kathy and Heathcliff from Wuthering Heights it would be like if we took that song and we rewrote it specifically about Wuthering Heights
1: yeah but you know I yeah I do say this all the time on this podcast. I love this era of Broadway. The early 2000s just hit differently. You had the big budget musicals coming in the way like Wicked uh, and some of which are still the most memorable we've had uh, in years and for it's for better or for worse. Um, This show is one of them. (laughs) I, I personally think it's just so extravagant and I do like it. Uh, I refer to it as Carrie Meets Cats the musical (laughs) because it's such a dance heavy show and I don't think people expect that when first being introduced to it. Yeah Uh, I was definitely surprised by the amount of dancing. It's amazing but you
0: listen to the score and like I really encourage you all to listen to the Austrian cast recording of Tanster Vampire. I get it it's in German but like this musical, this score is so incredibly well written and it makes you wanna dance. Like Carpe Noctum is yeah. freaking a brilliant song. It's mostly a dance number. But holy Moses, it just it it has that vampire y feeling, you know? And even when there's no lyrics or you don't understand what the lyrics are saying, you totally get what's what it's about. It's awesome. I love I love listening to theater that has roots in different languages because like you get it man and that's what it's about because music is a universal language
1: yeah well i mean that got deep <laughs> yeah and i think the show would have fallen even f- more flat uh without those really crazy cool dance numbers i mean those dance numbers are incredible and i don't was the show nominated for any Tonys? I don't think so. I don't know off the top of my head. I me don't either. Think so, but it should have got choreography because it is really good. It it does remind me of cats in that sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, the dancing is great, and you know the production value on the show is amazing. Like you know the sets, oh, the costumes, yeah. and all that fabulous stuff is great. I mean, you, you have know, have minus that scene. the makeup.
1: Well, the makeup was great. Well, certain makeup
0: no Michael truly makeup.
1: well yeah but that was different if you're talking about the ensemble they yeah i'm talking incredible. about in general yeah like it was very visually appealing
0: and so there was so much going right that i'm like if you had just stopped making certain
1: changes it could have been yeah. more successful i mean but that set is incredible you have that gorgeous carrie-esque staircase in act Mm. two i think and you have um you have all those coffins that the vampires come out of which is like incredible um Mm. yeah even the the costuming yeah the color palette like
0: it's just it is such a dream when it comes to the visual aspects of it like that's what i want when i go see a musical like yeah i can do stripped down sets i can do minimalistic sets i'm totally into that too mm-hmm. but you know when you go see a big mega musical on broadway that's kind of what i expect yeah you know what i mean yeah i want that big sweeping set i want it to be coherent i want the costumes and like i want to be dazzled yes i want to feast my eyes on everything and that's something that tans does really well and dance of the vampires does it really really well as
1: well so i'm thinking yeah i mean even the tans set i, I could be kind of wrong here but i think that was even more on like a minuscule scale compared to the broadway sets there are definitely some differences so yeah but you know
0: there's the similarities basically in palette and yes, color definitely. and texture it's very I don't dark it's just very dark with lots of blues and red And here's, I think, the thing that I think bothers me most about the transfer and I think is what throws a lot of people off is because the whole show is kind of constructed in a certain way when you look at the German production. And then in the Broadway production, they've kept pretty much everything the same, but then they, like, made it funny and added certain songs. And it's, like, by making it more funny, like... The German production is funny and camp because it's taken seriously. You know what I mean? It's not like over the top. It's kind of that dark gothic comedy drama, Mm -hmm. like what you would expect from a vampire musical. And then you take it to Broadway and you're still keeping it in this gothic scene. You're keeping the music and the general mood of the set and the costume and the vibes and then you're changing what's actually coming out of people's mouths and the two clash. And I think that's yeah. what a big issue of it is. Because, like, yeah, if you wanted to make it funny, it is kind of a hilarious story. It's You could so make it funny, funny yeah. but you need to switch the whole vibe of the mm. show to match that instead of having something... Like, because the set and the costumes and the dancing and, like, the orchestra music Very is telling tans. me one thing. Yeah. Then what's coming actually coming out of the actor's mouth verbally mm. is something completely different. Yep. And that makes me, as an audience member, really uncomfortable and confused. Yeah. So you want that cohesiveness, and that's something that Tans did perfectly. It was perfectly cohesive. So as an audience member, you're like, yeah, okay, I get this world. I yeah. get what's going on. I can have a giggle, like... Whereas like this, it's like, um, I know that you want me to laugh, but what is going yeah, on? Yeah,
1: and I think if you do watch Dance of the Vampires, it's very funny and you, you get that laugh. And I heard, you know, the audience laughing the entire show throughout. And I don't think they were laughing at it so much as laughing with it because it is very funny. Um, but that is, if you're going in that direction, you want to go all the way with it. And they did not do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, those are my thoughts yeah. on um, Dance of the Vampires. And, you know, if you are going to watch it, great. Go do it. But I highly encourage you to watch the German production. There are clips out there. Watch that as well. It's, you'll really see what we're talking about and the contrast. Yeah. And how the vibe and changes and how it's kind of less cohesive. And I don't know. I think it's really interesting. Like, I think that both productions have merit. And I think it's a very interesting piece of Broadway history, but I think it's also just fun to kind of compare and see, yeah, okay, you know what they were going for and you can see where it fell flat. I like analyzing theater. Me too. As much as I enjoy just watching it and that this is such a great example of that. So I encourage you to go and go and use the resources available to you because this one is actually out there. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, and you know what's so funny? And I will bring this up because (laughs) I just think it's hilarious. But, you know, it is the Jim Steinman catalog. And I find it so amusing how he recycles his work. And I mean, obviously, um, a lot of it was done by the other people who took over his position because they didn't know what the fuck else to do with the English translations and just took from his Mm -hmm. other work. But, you know, you got stuff like Original Sin in there and Wasted Youth. You've got uh, Objects in the Rearview Mirror, which are all just like the same melody, but rewritten. Um, so that's very interesting when you then go see Bat Out of Hell, the musical, because <laughs> those are in there too.
0: Yeah, you know. Right? Yeah. I mean, Jim, listen, we think that Jim Steinman
1: is an absolute genius. genius. And, you know, it's very nice seeing, oh, they also have the, um, Hot Summer Night speech in there, but it's totally it's different. It's totally right? different because it's, you know, it's about great. offering your throat <laughs> to a vampire. It's um, called The Clips of the Moon. <laughs> totally Clips of the
0: Moon. Um, So good. It's. It's funny. Um, but you know It's, it's especially fun I, if you're a Jim Steinman fan. Yeah. I think. And you know what I think about Jim Steinman is like I'm so great that bad is having the success that it is having because obviously um Dance But not the, as much
1: as tans Which is yeah, that's very true. Europe which is very interesting. From a
0: European perspective, you know what I mean? Like the European oh, yeah. production of Tanzator oh, Vampire yeah. is huge. Um And then the Broadway production was not so much. So I'm very glad he has another musical out there that's doing well. Because even if you say Tanster Vampire, people aren't going to automatically think of the European production. People are going to think of the Broadway flop. Unless, you know, you're in Europe and having these conversations, right? Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, you know, I don't know. I just like it. I like like that he has another musical out there running and doing its thing because he's so theatrical. He's so theatrical. And he gets world building, which I think is a part of why that original production of Tans is so cohesive, because he
1: understands that. And I think that's what's so sad about why this flopped, is because when I think of someone who's so theatrical in their writings, I think of Jim Steinman, and I think that's similar for many people, so to know that he didn't have that complete creative freedom to do his show and then it later turned out to be, well, as you said, a shit pile. And that's how he felt about it as well, that he didn't even go to opening night. It breaks my heart for him. I think he's just a genius and he I think it could have been really good if they just kept him on the project and um, and got someone other than Michael Crawford. And, you know, just didn't try to change it from what it was and a better wig for mandy gonzalez because that looks like a party city wig stop it (laughs) it does oh my god it's so waxy but you know what she's a superstar that was probably nobody noticed favorite mandy gonzalez role nobody
0: noticed her i mean because she's
1: that good (laughs) incredible i mean phenomenal phenomenal
0: so that's our that's thoughts the take-away on uh, Tam, from the, the night. Da- Dance of the Vampires. Oh, Tenster Vampire and Dance of the Vampires. So you oh. kind of got a double feature here. You got a
1: science fiction double feature Ooh. happening over here. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings us to the... But you know what? Oh, sorry. I just had a thought. Wasn't Rocky Horror open on Broadway at this same time? Yes, it was. because And it also didn't do so great.
0: Post 9-11, yes.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. Wow.
0: Actually, I think Rocky closed before Tans opened because Tanz's opening was delayed because of
1: right. 9-11. October, yeah. Otherwise, they would have been in the same season. Huh. And I would have lived for it. I don't know. We'll have to look into that later. Maybe one of you can let us know. If you saw Tan- uh, sorry. Oh my gosh, we have to stop that. If you saw Dance of the Vampires on Broadway... We want to hear all about your experience and what you thought. So send us a little message and, uh, yeah. yeah.
0: We want to hear all about yeah. it.
1: And you're going to be able to hear all about some more
0: exciting things as we continue through our spooky month. And... <laughs> So as you know, we've had a couple great show history episodes out uh, about some of our favorite spooky musicals. There's still still one more of those coming. Also, our mini-series featuring special guests from one of our favorite musicals that happens to share a composer with Tanster Vampire. And I do say Tanster Vampire because that's how Jim would want (laughs) me to refer to it. So... Stay tuned for our Bat Out of Hell the Musical mini series featuring members of the UK Tour. And don't forget to tune in on October 24th at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time when we go live for a spooky soiree where we'll take your questions we'll play some Ooh. games we'll and we will be announcing the winner
1: of our costume contest go enter dress up as uh michael crawford as count von krolok we actually please do that Oh my god, please do that. That's a great way to win, actually. But that's a that would win. Just to enter
0: the contest. If you have a stagey Halloween costume, take a photo, put it on your Instagram, tag us at Breaking the Curtain, and voila, you're entered as long as it's before midnight on October twenty third. And then we'll announce the winners live. Exciting stuff. So Stay safe. Stay spooky. And we'll see you super soon. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.